welcome to episode 20 of the Battling Pickle podcast. This uh, episode focuses and bridges the gap between two groups that often are not talked about together. So let's get started and jump right in. Well, it is a new week and it is time for another episode of the Battling Pickle podcast. This week, I want to do a little bit of what I've been doing already by combining some thoughts from both classes that I'm teaching so that both classes get some uh, benefit from this podcast. And really, there are two topics that, while they do not seem to go together at a glance, actually go very well together based on some interesting new techniques that we're seeing in uh, society to bridge the gap between these two areas. And the two areas that I'm talking about are special needs children that, uh, you know, we talk about in educational psychology, you know, children that have exceptionalities in some way or another. Uh, typically, this is the language we're using other than, you know, special ed and, uh, you know, those sorts of things, because we, it's a, it's a wider net, you know, we're casting a net that it's not just the kids that can't do something. It's perhaps kids that are lopsided in their abilities at this point. They're able to do certain things very well, not able to do other things very well, you know, all the across the board. And I think eventually we're going to fully embrace uh, kids who are very far ahead of the curve into this group as well. Uh, because as we'll talk about with the, you know, the second part of this conversation, those kids can actually use some support in much the same way, even if we don't think of them as needing help. So what is the second part of this uh, amazing uh, conversation or this, uh, this rather strange conversation? Well, the second part is cognitive decline with aging. Principally, the idea of dementias and other cognitive decline disorders that abnormal psychology is talking about this week in their particular chapter. <coughs> so when we're talking about dementia, the first thing that we have to dispel is that it's inevitable. And you hear this time and time and time again. Well, it's just part of getting old. You end up with dementia. You can't think about things the way you used to. Your brain doesn't work the right way, whatever you want to put it. And we know this to be false. We know that for the vast majority of people, dementia is not a foregone conclusion. It is something that you do have some level of control over. Now, there are some levels of dementia that are highly related to uh, or certain forms of dementia that do have a genetic component. So uh, you might be at a slightly higher risk if you have those uh, you know, genetic markers, but you are not necessarily going to have dementia. And the second piece that we always have to talk about is the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people use them interchangeably. Uh, they do not understand that those are two different disorders, they are not the same. So you'll hear people often say, well, you know, my, my uncle has Alzheimer's and so there's nothing he could have done about it uh, because they're thinking about dementia. And they're right, uh, we do not have a cure for Alzheimer's at this point. 
But if it's just simply my uncle has started to forget things, he's not as sharp as he used to be, but he doesn't actually have Alzheimer's, then there's probably a lot that can be done for your uncle in that case. So I've talked to, in the discussion prompts that I'm having the abnormal psychology students do, a number of students uh, talked about dementia in their prompt, and I mentioned to them the phrase, use it or lose it, which is actually a very applicable phrase for thinking about Alzheimer's, uh, or not Alzheimer's, but dementia, most dementias. The more active that someone stays, the more cognitively engaged they are, the less likely they are to suffer experiences or, pro or profound dementias. So having, you know, your older relatives have some level of activity, whether that be you know, crossword puzzles, uh, games that they play on their iPads. I have a neighbor who's in her 80s who has a host of games that she plays. And I know this because I end up getting a call whenever her iPad breaks and I go over and help her out. But that is great if you're thinking about it in terms of a solitary experience. And unfortunately, as you get older, you tend to have more of these solitary experiences because Older individuals tend to have smaller social circles. They tend to get out less than their younger counterparts. Uh, people don't visit them as often, unfortunately, all of those things. So what about a situation that perhaps could improve quality of life for the older individual and for those children with exceptionalities? Well, there are programs uh, that are designed to put these two individuals together, these two groups together. One of them is called SAGE, which stands for Senior Adults for Greater Education. Their website is beasage.org. And they literally uh, started off before the pandemic used doing in-person volunteering, and now they do virtual volunteering, where they connect up people who are 55 and older with children uh, for, you know, different sorts of enrichment, you know, the ability to do some mentoring, uh, you know, talk about uh, different aspects of education, aspects of life, all those things. And when you look at these uh, programs, you really do see a very good opportunity on both ends of the spectrum. For the older individuals, you get uh, interaction that they wouldn't otherwise have, so that helps them stay motivated to stay active. They get, uh, you know, a regular scheduled interaction. Uh, that's the other thing that we forget about. When you get older, your schedule is not as well regulated as it once was. You know, I have neighbors that um, I live in an area with uh, a lot of elderly neighbors. They are sometimes, you know, it's like they're teenagers. You know, they get up at noon. Uh, they don't really have to be anywhere at any given time. And while that is certainly very nice from a flexibility standpoint, it also leads to some downfall to it as well. You know, we know that sometimes even if we don't like having to get up in the morning and go to work, getting up in the morning and going to work is one of those things that pushes us to continue doing everything in our lives. And if you didn't have to do that, um, you might have more severe or more profound issues. And we saw that during the pandemic when people's schedules got turned upside down, all of a sudden, they didn't have to get up every morning and go to work. They had to get up, but they had to maybe just, you know, work was uh, look at your email and see what's come in and fire off a couple of messages. 
that had a profound effect, both positive and negative, on individuals. It changed people's lives in ways that they were not expecting. And I think a lot of uh, elderly individuals, when they retire, they have that exact same experience. Their life changes in ways that they thought would be beneficial. They don't have to do as much, but then that's a double-edged sword. You don't have that structure anymore. So with a program like this, you get structure, you get interaction, and you get the opportunity to talk to different people to get socialization. It's a very uh, compelling argument for older individuals, the benefits there. For the children with exceptionalities, well, we know that those kids are not always thinking and working on the same levels or meshing with the same things that are going on in their classrooms. And sometimes the perspective of someone who's older, uh, especially an older individual that doesn't have a power dynamic. You know, if you think about kids, everyone that's older than them typically is in some sort of a power dynamic that has power over them. So my grandparents, my parents, my teachers, uh, older siblings, you know, the classic thing of, well, I'm older, I get to, you know, make the rules, that sort of thing. When you're talking to an individual you're not related to, who you know is older and you should show some respect to probably, but they aren't, you know, they're not able to punish you. They're not able to, you know, really uh, domineer you in any way. That can lead to an interaction that is a new and unique interaction for kids. The idea that uh, this person isn't here to tell me what to do. They're here to talk to me almost as an equal or as a peer. Uh, and that can be much more powerful than we think. And that's why I said earlier, when we're talking about kids with exceptionalities, we often think about it on the low end of the functioning spectrum. But I could see a lot of arguments where kids that are more advanced would love this sort of a program because it gets them the opportunity to talk to mature people who can give them perspective and wisdom on life. And if you already sort of feel like you're frustrated as a kid being around kids, uh, I jokingly say this because I felt that way myself. Uh, you know, I didn't particularly want to be around kids when I was a kid. Uh, kids were not that interesting to me, but older adults, and adults in general were, because they could give me perspectives on things I didn't have. So I would encourage you this week, as you're looking through whatever uh, book you are in, if you are in abnormal psychology, you're looking at dementias and cognitive declines. Uh, you're also looking at a few other topics this week. Uh, and if you're in educational psychology, you're looking at these children with exceptionalities. Think outside of the norms of what we think uh, is appropriate for them. And for the older individuals, we might not have thought about them volunteering their time because, hey, they, you know, they deserve a rest. They don't need to be working so much, but yet that could be part of enrichment. It could be part of structure. It could be part of a number of things. And if you're thinking about kids with exceptionalities, well, this is part of getting them a different perspective that perhaps will be much more effective than we would ever think. That website that I mentioned, the program uh, that matches up senior adults, uh, it's uh, Senior Adults for Greater Education, beasage.org. So B-E-S-B-E-A-S-A-G-E.org if you want to look into those sorts of programs. It's an interesting idea. And there are other programs out there like it. And 
really this week, my challenge to you would be to think about these topics outside of just the realm that they are presented in the textbook, because it doesn't take much to bridge these gaps. And sometimes that can be the most powerful way to push learning in either direction. As mentioned, this has been another episode of the Battling Pickle Podcast. If you would like to interact with the podcast, go to anchor.fm slash battlingpickle. You can send a message there. You can let me know what topics you want to hear about in the future. If you are in one of my classes right now and you would like to special request a topic, go ahead and send a message through Canvas. I'm happy to take requests in a sense. And I wish all of you, as the weather gets hotter uh, in the summer, I want you to stay cool. You already are cool. And I will catch up with you on the next episode. Thank you.